This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing the treatment of hepatorenal syndrome with terlopressin, which is a recently FDA-approved treatment for HRS. With us to discuss this is our Associate Editor, Sonali Paul of the University of Chicago School of Medicine, when she'll be discussing her summary, which is entitled, Is Terlopressin for the Treatment of Hepatorenal Syndrome Ready for Prime Time? Results of the Confirmed Trial. And this is part of our In Case You Missed It series. It's reviewing a New England Journal of Medicine publication from March of 2021, entitled The Confirmed Study, which is an RCT about using terlopressin. So welcome, Dr. Paul. And why don't you tell us a little bit about why this is an important study and why it's important to know how to treat hepatorenal syndrome? Absolutely. So thanks so much for having me. So we know that when patients with decompensated cirrhosis and those that have ascites, once they develop hepatorenal syndrome, it's really characterized by kind of rapidly progressive renal failure and really, really high mortality rates in the absence of liver transplant. And in the U.S., up until now, our treatment options have been quite limited. And so we've mainly been relying on midodrine and octreotide with albumin, which actually in, in kind of studies haven't, hasn't actually been very effective in a, like compared to placebo. So Terlopressin was actually approved in so other places like Europe, but still hasn't been approved. And so finally, this was kind of what we needed to see if it was effective for our patients. Absolutely. As you said, you know, randomized control trials have shown that octreotide and midrogen combinations really have very limited efficacy, if any, for hepatorenal syndrome. So, so in this study entitled the CONFIRMED study, what did the investigators do to study its efficacy? As you mentioned, it was a randomized controlled trial. They enrolled 300 patients with HRS and cirrhosis societies with rapidly progressive kidney failure. For and like the kidney kidney failure had to be within 14 days. And their primary endpoint was HRS reversal and um, survival without renal replacement therapy for at least 10 days after treatment completion. And that was kind of the main thing that they looked at. There were other secondary endpoints, which I won't really go into. That they're summarized in a summary, but that was the main thing that they looked at. And, and essentially, these are patients who had at least a doubling of serum creatinine to levels above 2.25. And as you said, when we talk about renal replacement therapy, that is, for the most part, means some type of dialysis. So they randomized people to get terlopressin one milligram IV over two minutes, about every six hours, plus getting albumin one gram per kilo up to a max of 100 grams per day on day one, followed by smaller infusions on subsequent days. How did it look? Was it beneficial? So the results actually were, were good. Patients in the terlopressin group actually had verified HRS reversal. It was 32% in the terlopressin group versus 17% in the placebo group, and that was statistically significant. Specifically, though, transplant-free survival up to 90 days was not different between the two groups. And, and so... Certainly, terlopressin, which is a vasoconstrictor of both the splanchnic vasculature as well as the peripheral vasculature, and I guess is intended to improve circulation through the kidneys, showed efficacy, but because terlopressin is a vasoconstrictor 
and has an impact on cardiac afterload, it also looks like there's a risk for some pretty serious side effects. Absolutely. So death from respiratory complications occurred much, much more often in the terlipressin group. So their N was 22, so that was 11% of their population versus placebo, which was only 2%. So this is definitely a very important side effect that we have to obviously look at before we start giving our patients terlipressin. This study, again, was still very important because, as you mentioned, prior to September of 2022, terlipressin was approved in Europe, but not approved in the U.S., Based on the results of this RCT, the FDA approved terlipressin in September of 2022 for the treatment of hepatorenal syndrome. But as such a strong vasoconstrictor, you have to be very cautious about how you use it. In your own practice, when you have somebody who has hepatorenal syndrome with that elevated creatinine, what's your current approach? That's a great question. So this comes up often. So I think kind of right now, I don't know if we have a great sense of how to use terlipressin and how to incorporate into our practices. But in the absence of terlipressin, what uh, I've been doing since then, the most important thing is really ruling out other causes of renal failure. So whether you know it's hypovolemia, septic shock, if they were on diuretics, you want to stop their diuretics. And you, you want to get a UA that's very bland. They can't really have anything else. And then you want to volume challenge them. So basically, HRS is diagnosed when there's no improvement in the creatinine after volume expansion. And volume expansion can include, I usually use albumin, about 100 grams times two days. You can use lactated ringers as well, but I, I prefer the al albumin given the protein and it stays in the vasculature. And then if it doesn't improve, then we know that this is HRS. If it improves, it's most likely pre-renal. The creatinine improves. And then if it's HRS, you know, very quickly we'll start mitodrine, octreotide, and albumin, in addition to really kind of having a very prompt liver transplant evaluation if they are a candidate, because this can very much spiral very quickly. Patients can get very sick very quickly. And if there's so if I start them on mitodrine and octreotide, I'll wait another 48 hours. And if there's really no improvement, often I'll transfer these patients to the ICU for a trial of vasoactives, mainly norepinephrine, which has been found to be about 11% more effective than placebo to reverse HRS. You know, again, I think this is really helpful for our listeners. First thing, make sure there aren't other causes of renal insufficiency. Stop the diuretics, do volume expansion, as you said, preferably with albumin in your practice. Rule out other causes for renal insufficiency. If they don't improve within 48 hours, that suggests it's not pre-renal and you use midodrine, octreotide, and albumin for another 48 hours. If they're still not getting better, then go to the ICU to do a trial with norepinephrine, which has been shown to be better than placebo. And we still need to probably get a little bit better idea about the best possible patients to use terlipressin in, possibly having patients who might not be quite as sick as the patients in this trial. There may be a role for it because really, really sick patients may not tolerate this type of vasoactive agent. Does that summarize kind of the key points there? Absolutely. I mean, I think one thing that was a little different there, the definition of HRS in this study is really not the definition, which is kind of universally used, the consensus definition. They used a creatinine greater than 2.25, but the consensus definition of HRS is an increase in the creatinine level of greater than 0.3 from baseline that doesn't improve from, with volume expansion. So really it's possible that terlipressin could have shown a larger response if we had used it kind of at a lower creatinine threshold, because we know that the higher the creatinine, the less likely it's going to reverse. 
Well, thanks very much for that succinct review. And we'll talk with you again soon on the Evidence-Based GI Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you.